0: Hi there. This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through
1: the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit.
0: Surely fall, but but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint, even the youth shall faint. So it's not just the fact that the youth have strength. It's not sufficient. In life, the strength of youth is not sufficient. The strength of youth is not sufficient. And the young men shall utterly fall. They will come to the end of their strength. But they that wait upon the Lord, there is speed in waiting. There is speed in waiting. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up the wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. There's a song we learned at the revival series. I'd like us to, to, to just sing it to the Lord this morning. You are good, you are kind. I've never seen your kind. I'm devoted to your praise and forever to your name. A, a comfortable key. <laughs> uh,
1: you're, you are good. You are kind. Okay, you never I am devoted to your praise and forever to your name you are good you are kind i have never seen your kind i'm devoted to your praise and forever too one more time you're good you're kind you are you are good love a love that
0: outlasts your failures he knows everything about you He knows your weaknesses he knows the mistakes you've made he knows your past and still loves you nonetheless in spite of it in spite of it and then he now goes ahead he doesn't just write your name he engraves it because he's a rock you don't write on rocks you engrave on rocks he's the rock of ages and then he engraves your name on the palm of his hands so if you look into God's hands right now, you will see Bolu Watife there. You see it there. You see it there. And it's the only name on his hand right now. And if you look at it again for you, you will see your name. Only your name there. He is that committed and personal about you. He loves you so much. While you were combing your hair this morning, and he noticed that the 317th strand of hair on your head fell, he knew the number of that hair. He knew the numbers. You see, the hair on your head is not just counted. It is numbered. Do you understand the difference? It's not just counted. He doesn't just know the volume. He understands the specific number. He knows the exact number. Praise God. Hallelujah. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. That's so liberating that God loves me. God loves me what he does for man is ridiculous we will never be able to come into full apprehension of what god did for us we would never be able to it's a love that passes all understanding a love father we thank you as we go into your word this morning we pray that everyone is lifted blessed edified strengthened encouraged and comforted by the power of the holy spirit through the words of faith Thank you, Jesus. So that these words will not just be information to the ears. It will be illumination to the hearts and empowerment to the, heart, to the hands of men in the name of Jesus. And everyone here is transformed by the power of the spoken word. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. Are you excited to be in church this morning? Give the Lord a big praise. Hallelujah. And have your seat in God's presence. Welcome your neighbor to church. Give a good compliment. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. It's always a delight to be in church. It's the best place to be. It's the best place to be in the presence of the Lord. All right. Amen. Are you ready to learn a few things about love this morning? Huh? Okay. So can you help me with the whiteboard behind there? Thank you. Amen, please. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Adiamin. Okay, so love does cost a thing or two, amen? Hallelujah. Some of us just love love. We just, we just love the idea of love, right? How many of us here are in a relationship? <laughs> Pastor Vito mean, was the first to jump up and say, well, uh, I've been there for about, um, about a decade now. <laughs> so no, over there, please, over there, just beside the screen, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Okay, so you're in a relationship, let me see your hands. Hallelujah, praise God, be bold about it, amen. You are still on Google, we are searching. Let me see your hands up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pastor maybe you are searching. <laughs> okay. You're not interested. Let me see your hands up. <laughs> okay, some of us are not interested. So we can excuse you for the next one hour so that um, you know, we that are very much interested can invest in some interesting meals this morning. So the Lord has a lot of things to share with us this morning. And I, and I pray that as your heart is open to, to receive these things, that you'll receive illumination in Jesus' name. So love does cost a thing or two. There was a song uh, that goes, love doesn't cost anything or love don't cost a thing. And uh, that's not true, okay? That's not true. A lot of things that we hear on social media that are sung by some of these celebrities are very far from the truth. As a matter of fact, many of them are lies. Not just are they not true, but they're they lies. And those things are peddled by the devil to ensure that he, he locks our mind in a, f- in a false understanding of what something really is. So, for example, we use the word love a lot. Almost every day we use the word love. It's like a buzzword. Everybody loves something. You love dogs, you love cats, you love iPhones, you love... So we, we, we use that word love for inanimate things. And somehow, somehow or the other, it has, it has rubbed off on our understanding of love when we're not talking to another person with emotions and feelings. So because you say you love Mondays or you love Fridays, you love dogs, you love cats, you love the iPhone, you love... Um, what do you love? You love ice cream, you love chocolate, you love food, Vampals. you know. You love cars, amen. You like the sound of the rev. You know, you love cars, you love stuff, you love movies. And so when you say you love someone, it's the same protocol that you just engaged in your mind. The same protocol that you engage every time you say you love something. And so when you say you love someone, there's nothing really deep. Because your mindset about that word love has been warped by the understanding that you can actually love anything and everything. And so when you say you love someone, it's the exact same way you're saying you love a cat. but you're saying you love that person. And that's a bit unfair. Because, you see, when you're talking to someone with emotions and feelings, you must be very careful what you say and what you communicate so that you don't, you don't emote reactions that you didn't intend, right, from that person. And so love does cost much more than one thing, as a matter of fact. Uh, when God said, I, I love you, when he said, I love you, it, it was not an aloof statement made by God in heaven to some You know doomed men on earth and then just said that from the throne of grace and just said I love you no he had a lot of commitments to back that statement up and so John chapter 3 verse 16 a very popular scripture is one verse that reveals the costs of that love that he said he loved us so he said for God so loved the world that he gave and so the love is not aloof the love is not distant the love is committed the love is devoted love is resilient it pursues you it's unstoppable it's so reckless about his love for you. He doesn't, he's not casual about it. He loved you so much, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not, have, will not perish but have everlasting life. And so that love is not just an attraction. It's much more than that. So when, when someone says, I love this thing, it means I'm attracted to this thing. I'm attracted to it. I like the the idea of this thing. I like the shape, the curves, the texture, the color, the taste. I like the feeling I get whenever I go around this thing. I like the thought of this thing. And so that's what they mean when they say they love someone. Or when they say they love a thing or a person. or not a person. A thing or uh, a day or whatever it is that is inanimate. But when you say you love a person, what should it mean? And uh, I'll be sharing with you a few thoughts this morning about... uh, Yes, sir. Thank you. About the software called love, the software. It's a software, eh? right? Next week we'll be talking about the hardware, but today we'll be talking about the software of love. And this is primarily about you, the one of the parties to the relationship we're talking about. So, um, what are the things you need to put in place in order for the software of love to run? Praise the name of the Lord. So, uh, when the word of God says love, it's beyond whatever that person calls love. There's the world's way of saying I love you, but there's a the God's way of saying I love you. Love began with the one who doesn't do love like it's a gesture. All right? He doesn't just do love like it's a gesture. Because when a guy buys you shawarma and he begins to say he loves you, uh, you're wondering, so the fact that you bought me shawarma, does that now mean you now love me? Is that now equivalent to... Loving me, I mean, am I just a box of pizza away from being loved? You know, it's not a gesture, it's beyond that. A feeling or an appeal, it's not a feeling, it's not just an appeal. You see, to this person, love was too consuming to not be personified. Hmm. Let me read that again. Love began with the one who doesn't do love like it's a gesture, a feeling, or an appeal. To this one, love was too consuming not to be personified. Love had to live out its essence through a person for the world to really understand it. It couldn't just be an expression, it has to be a person for it to be essentially demonstrated properly, effectively. So he couldn't just say describe love, he had to be love for love to fully express itself because it was beyond what could be explained with an illustration. It had to be a person all right and love had to leave out its essence through a person for the world to really understand it this person whom love chose could not simply be human as his innate tendencies are bound to compromise the very essence of love so this love could not just embody a normal human being who had frailties who had infirmities who had weaknesses because that person would compromise the essence of love so that person could not carry the essence of love because the love that he would demonstrate would be faulty. It would be compromised because of his own frailties and infirmities and weaknesses and Adamic nature. And so this love chose a specific specimen and that specimen could only be God. Do you understand? Love chose a deity as the only possible and probable candidate to fully express its dimensions. That is nothing else could exemplify what love is apart from God. God is not wisdom, God is not power, but God is love. God is love. And only God fully demonstrates what love really should be about. So when it comes to relationships, okay, it's it's not any different. We have to understand this whole love thing, relationship thing, from the God perspective, from the perspective of the one who initiated this protocol called love. And that's why we're here today, to just learn a few things about this love. Now, what are the things you need to put in place in order for you to be a proper candidate of this love matter? Um, amen. amen. Are you ready for the class? Yes, sir. So, ah, okay. Okay, thank you. Um, so let's call this love dynamics, right? So, love dynamics. Now, every single one of us here is like this. Hmm? You're an infinite person. The Bible says you have set eternity in the hearts of men. You are an individual, individual, whole in yourself. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, that you are complete in him, the head of all principalities and power. So the very first thing that needs to be established before you begin to talk about loving somebody else or having somebody else love you is you must have a sense of individuality. Uh, you can write that, right? So <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me not have to write all of that. So you can write that. So you, you must have a sense of individuality. A lot of people are in relationships, and it's just a matter of time. The relationship will crumble because they don't have a sense of individuality. They do not believe in who they are for themselves. They cannot define who they are in very concise and precise manner. They cannot explain who they are. They feed off the identity of the person they're in a relationship with. They do not have a sense of identity for themselves. There's no sense of individuality. So pretty much they are like this. So they're looking for somebody else to complete that circle. But that is not how love is designed to function. You are not an arc. You are a full circle. You're a full circle. And so there must be that sense of individuality. You must possess That sense of a healthy individuality. And what are the things you need to have this sense of individuality? The first thing you need to understand is your identity in Christ. Not just your identity based on your background, where you came from, what your daddy did to you, what your mom did to you, or what they called you, or... However it is you performed in school, that, that's not the basis upon which you define yourself. You define yourself based on how God perceives you and calls you. And so your identity is very important for you to understand. The second thing is your purpose. You have to have, have a very clear understanding of what your purpose is. And then the last thing would be your identity, your purpose, and your destiny, where you're headed. These are the things that help you understand who you are. Your sense of individuality is tied to your understanding of these things. So, a sense of identity. Who are you? Because the moment you do not understand who you are, somebody else will redefine you and tell you he loves you. And then you will now receive that love based on the premise that there is something deficient in you. You need him to complete yourself. I'm sorry I'm using the he, her dynamics because that's usually the, the, the pathway, right? It's the guy that does the asking out, it's the guy that tells you I love you, and all of those kind of things. Because if there's no healthy sense of individuality, what happens is this. Every time you receive love, you feel undeserving. And every time you're about to give love, you feel depleted. Receiving love makes you feel undeserving. Giving love makes you feel depleted because you do not believe in yourself that you are whole and deserving of love. If you do not understand that God already loves you, everybody that says he loves you will get your ears tingled. You begin to feel excited, overly excited about it because really it's about their love to you and not necessarily about a love of God to you. If you're already complete in God's love for your life, you will not necessarily be looking out for love from somebody else because marriage does not complete anybody. Relationship doesn't make you any whole than you were before you got married. So the first thing that you need to define is that you must have a sense of individuality. I am a person. I'm married or not. I'm a person with an identity, with a purpose, and with a destiny. None of those marital things are going to help make me any more whole than I already am. I am a person in God. Most of the most influential people in scripture were never married. And that's to tell us a parable. You see, that it is not that that defined them. The Pauls of this world, the Jesus Christ of this world, they were not married. And they were, they were not any less who they were. As a matter of fact, they had all the time in the world to execute on the purpose of God for their lives. Praise the name of the Lord. So it's like I'm, I'm discouraging you from <laughs> No, I'm not discouraging, but I'm just trying to tell you where it begins from. It begins from that sense of individuality. You are a person. You're not an ark. You're a full circle. So you're whole. This is who you are. You must have that sense of individuality. You must understand your identity, your purpose, your destiny. We can't go into all of the details of those individual things. And then you must also understand your personality. You must understand who you are, your tendencies, your proclivities, the things you're likely going to do in certain situations, your personality type, why you're the way you are, why you act the way you do. Those are the things that help you understand your individuality. And then the third thing you need to understand, so the first thing has three branches. The first thing is your identity, which is, you know, identity, purpose, and destiny. And then you need to understand your personality. And then the third thing you need to understand is your usefulness. Your value. Your value is your degree of usefulness. What exactly do you add to anybody if you come into somebody's space? What are the things you have that can benefit another person? What are the things you can really do? What are the things you're really smart, up, smart at? What are the things that people compliment you for? What are the things that when they see you and they see you do those things, it's, it's amazing how you get those things done because you're gifted in that area. Your usefulness. How useful are you as a person? If I come into you and into your space, what are the things I'm going to derive from partnering with you? that I won't get from somebody else? What are the things that makes you very useful? These are the things that comprise of your understanding that makes you a a, a human being, an individual, somebody with dignity and value in yourself. Because if this is lacking, you you will drain the person you're in a relationship with. You will drain the person because you must have that feeling. Something must fill you. And if you don't have that feeling before you find somebody else, you will drain the person to fill yourself. So, it's like two people walk into a space, and both of them have one of them has an empty cup of water, the other person has a full cup of water. The person without a a, a good understanding of his or her individuality is the person without the full cup of water, with with the empty cup of water. All right? And so, because we are designed to derive fulfillment from some source, okay? So, I'll, I'll come into that space, and I'll be asking for the person with the full cup of water to give me some of his. And then I'll be trying to get, I'll be trying to get. It will be a very self-driven relationship, and I'll be trying to get and all of that. At some point, this guy, because, yeah, he thinks he loves me, he will start giving of himself into me. But the truth is, you see, he cannot really give of himself into me without getting filled from another source. So he keeps giving himself into me, keeps giving himself into me, and at some point, he's going to get frustrated because what he brought into the relationship has been depleted by 70% because he has divested into you. He has has reduced of himself, poured into you, and now he no longer is who he used to be. He's now 30% version of that 100% that he brought into the relationship. Because you were not complete in yourself. You were looking unto him for identity, for purpose, for destiny. But no, you are a person with an identity, with a purpose, with a destiny, with a personality type. And you have your own usefulness. These are the things that makes you understand how uniquely crafted you are. You're an individual, separate from another person. You see? So if he keeps pouring into himself, into you and then doesn't get any rebate, any return, anything, at some point you realize that, no, this is a scam. I I came here not for this kind of arrangement, but apparently now I've been scammed. But you know what? Once you realize you've been scammed, what do you do? Do you continue to play along? Is, uh, no, 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 I have mean scam, this is a scam. You identify for what it really is and you try to withdraw, isn't it? And so relationships that are built on this half-measured senses of individuality cannot really fulfill anything significant, cannot really last. It's, it's just that simple. And so if you do not have this sense of individuality, that's the first thing you need to go and pick up. Go and dust it from wherever you dropped it. You are a person with a unique vision, identity, purpose, and destiny, with a personality, with your own unique usefulness. Something that if, if, if you're withdrawn from a system, that system will become bankrupt of that thing because you are the embodiment of that value, that usefulness. You need to understand what your usefulness is. And every single one of us is useful. We've been blessed with gifts and talents and amazing capabilities. If you subject yourself to empirical data and test, you'll realize how massive what will come out of you is. If you subject yourself to an experiment and then they, they squeeze out of you all the things you have as usefulnesses, it's, it's amazing the things you come up with. And so, you need to begin to now pray, God, what are the things you've blessed me with? What are the things that you have called me in your word? What are the things that I need to understand to have a full identity or a full understanding of who I am in you? This is the only possibility of being a blessing to somebody else. If you do not understand this, you will not be a blessing to someone. You will be a reproach. God forbid. Praise God. Praise the name of the Lord. There's a story I have, a personal story that if I'm going to share it, we'll probably need like two days for us to, be, to fully uncover that story. I hope to put it in a book one of these days because it's, it's, it's like a movie. But it's about my life, okay? It's, but it's like a movie. It's, I'm telling you, it's, it's so epic. But today is not the day for that. But you need, if, if you do not have this sense of individuality, you will feel drained in any relationship. you feel very drained. Praise God. Hallelujah. So this is the first thing that needs to be sorted right? A sense of individuality. The next thing is you must submit your life to, your life and your decisions and your behavior and patterns to the love protocol. What is the love protocol? Remember we said that God is love? Isn't it? Praise God. Hallelujah. We said God is love. So what is love? How does he define love? Is it based on attraction? I like your, you know, your features and I, I'd like to go into a relationship with you. Are those the lines? Are those the lines? So let me ask someone, right? Um, Oralua? if a guy tells you he loves you, what are the things you expect that he means with that statement? What do you think it means? What do you think it means? In a sentence, in a phrase. Don't, don't, be, don't, don't, don't feel embarrassed. It's okay. Okay, yeah. What do you think it means when he says he loves you? Well, what, do you, what comes to your mind? What do you think he really means? He likes a lot of things about you. Mm. So what, what happens if those things he likes about you are no longer as relevant or as exciting as they were at the moment or at the time he said he loved you? Big question, right? So when, when God says he loves you, it's a little different from when a guy says he loves you. Usually... Before a guy says he loves you, something attracted him to you. I mean, he's not God, he's a man. He will look and like what he sees, and then he will tell you, I like you. But he must not now, uh, he should be careful with that word love at that point, because he doesn't even know you, because you cannot love what you do not know. You can't love it. Because what happens is that they, tell, they, they run ahead of themselves, they tell you they love you, then they know you, then they don't love you anymore. So he he cannot tell he loves you at that point because he doesn't even know you. But you see, God knows everything about you and then still loves you in spite of the knowledge of your mistakes that he has about you. So it's different. His kind of love to you is different. And that's the kind of love that we ought to love one another, especially in a marriage relationship. Because, you see, the Bible makes it very clear that the marriage relationship is a parable about the Christ and his church. And how Christ loved his church is the way the man ought to love his wife. And so if a man comes on the basis of another kind of love that is not the Christ to the church kind of love, he has perverted the love that he claims he has towards you. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. He doesn't even know it. He doesn't even know it. So what, what, what kind of love is this God kind of love? 1 Corinthians 13 is, is, the, is the most you know, comprehensive, detailed, you know, version of what the love of God really is. And I like the fact that it begins with contrasts. I like the fact that he didn't just say love is love is... It begins with all the things that love is not. Yeah. He begins with telling you that, hey, calm down. Oh, this guy can pray in tongues does not mean he demonstrates love. Because a lot of ladies, and I must say, get attracted to eloquence and charisma and anointing. Praise God. And this guy can just talk, Sha. I just like him. You know, and they like you know, six packs, six figures, and all those kind of stuff. Six, six, six. <laughs> six feet, yeah. six figures, six packs, and you know that's not far from the antichrist, you know, <laughs> because six, six, six—it's not too far. And by describing him to your—I mean, describing describing him to your, I mean, your girlfriend, I tell him, "My I man, he's so tall. He's just just about the the, the height that I want—six feet tall—and he earns in six figures." And the other day, I just caught a glimpse of his six packs. I'm, I'm just in love. Be careful. Be careful. So, what kind of love is God explaining here in First Corinthians 13? He says, even though I speak the tongues of men, and I graduate from there, I enter into the realm of angels, and I begin to speak the tongues of angels. It is still a possibility that I don't have love. Hmm. It's, it's a possibility. It's a possibility. Because if it is not a possibility, he will say, though, I have and I don't. Because apparently it's possible to have those amazing uh, ex- I mean, this guy can preach. This guy can speak in tongues. This guy can interpret dreams. But he may not have love. You see that? Though I speak the tongues of men and of angels and I have not love. He says, I'm become as a sounding cymbal and a tinkling brass. You see that? He says, even if I have the gift of prophecy. Hmm, this one, before you even come near, I already know everything. I have the gift of prophecy, and I have all knowledge. And then I now graduate from there. I have all faith. Hmm, that I can remove mountains. He says, I can have all of those things and still not have love. Because, you see, if I don't have love, even with all of those external, superlative, supernatural capacities, he says, I am love nothing. That is, when God weighs me on a scale equal to zero, I am nothing. And then he goes ahead again and begins to say, it is possible for me to carry all my goods, sell it off, and then bestow it to the poor. It is possible for me to give my body to be burned and still not have love. That's the most scary part. (laughs) That's the most scary part. It means that you can be that benevolent and generous. Oh, he can take you to Dubai tomorrow. He, 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 can, he can empty his account for you. He can say, you know what? what do you do? I can die for you, you know. He said he, say he will give his body to be burned. But, 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 You know, I like the fact that the Bible didn't say he would die. <laughs> because they, it's implied that if he gives his body to be burned, that means he died. That, that's not what it means. Only God can die for another person. No man can die for another man. Even though that's what he expects that the man should do for his wife. You, we are in pursuit of that kind of love. We are in a constant pursuit to that love. We are trying to chase after that grade of love. Amen. Amen. He says, even if I, I will give my body. Have you seen guys who will tattoo their body? They'll undergo pain and they'll write the name of the girl. Tame me. They'll write it there. They'll write it on their hand. That is giving your body to be burned. That's giving your body to be burned. And it's possible he it does all of that and still not love you. Because anyone who doesn't know God cannot have the capacity to love. Yeah. Cannot. It's impossible. He yeah. it says it is possible for you to bestow all your goods and give to the poor. You do so many generous, benevolent things and you still do not have love. Because the reason why you are doing those things is so that you can have a reputation of somebody that is a giver. If that is, your, if that is the motive, there is no love inside it. Because love is not an investment. It's charity. That's what KJV calls it. It's not an investment. Because an investment has a reward as the motive. So if you give so that somebody will think of you as a nice person, you give so that you will receive something later. It's an investment you just made. Not charity. Charity gives. And just gives for the sake of giving. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? So it begins to talk about what are the things that somebody can possibly have, and you begin to have a notion that the person has love, but it's possible that the person has all of those things and still doesn't have love. So what are the litmus, what are the things that, you know, you see as the fruit, right, that emanates from somebody that is indeed walking in love? And it begins to explain from verse 4. Go to NIV. Give me the NIV version. I, I, I like the simplicity of NIV, you know, here, okay, I'm, I'm a KJV fan. For, for life, <laughs> so but but from verse four, I see what NIV begins to say. He says, "Love is patient." What did you say? There's no NIV. Okay, so I, I'll just quote it. He says, "Love is patient." He says, "Love is kind." Praise God. Hallelujah. So he gives his body to be burned, but he's not patient. Any little mistake, he, he cannot. He's so irrit, irritable. He he cannot condone your mistakes and your weaknesses. Every time he's around, you try to put up your best behavior because anything pisses him off. That's not a lover. That's not somebody capable of loving you. And if, if you apply every man to the First Corinthians 13 framework, you can decode if he's a person who can love or not. That's why it's written, so that we can see. So it says love is patient, love is kind. It says it does not envy. So it's not going to have a problem if you're earning more than him. He doesn't envy. Praise God. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Why, why is that getting some reaction? Because really, I mean, it's, it's a thing now. The guy must be earning more. He does not envy. Praise God. Wow. Let that sink. Love does not envy. He doesn't begin to think that because somebody has something more, then the person doesn't deserve it, and then he does And then, you know, he should be the one receiving that kind of a thing. No, love doesn't envy. It genuinely gets excited about your success. Genuinely. Praise God. Love is kind. Love is patient. It does not envy. It does not boast. You know what that means? (laughs) It doesn't boast. It doesn't gloat. It doesn't look for credit everywhere. It doesn't boast. It is not proud. See, we can deconstruct each of these things. Into series. Okay? It is not proud. The Bible says it does not behave itself unseemly. It does not dishonour others. When it gets into an atmosphere, it does not try to become the loudest. Everybody look at me, I'm the center of attraction. No. He tries to just seep into the atmosphere and just, just be cool until it's needed. Until it's needed. Love doesn't dishonour others in order to amplify its own honor. That's not how honourable people behave. Honourable people are honourable because they give the honor away. They don't look for it. If you are looking for that honor, you won't be honorable. You'll be very dishonorable. You'll be very dishonoring. You'll be very disrespectful. But when you give honor to people, you, you your own honor rises. As a matter of fact, a lot of people will now honor you because you don't look for it, you give it away. That's how the scripture works. That's how it works. So it does not dishonor others. Amen. It is not self seeking. Huh? It doesn't seek his own. It is not easily angered. It doesn't get irritated easily. It's not easily angered. It does not keep records of wrong. This one, ladies need to hear it. The other day, five years ago, you were wearing a blue shirt. I saw it. And a white t-shirt. You were standing beside that door. You were saying these exact things. I can never forget. But, but, but you can forget a lot of other things that are good. But that one thing they did for you that was wrong, you can, are, you, are you a judge? Like you, you have a data, you have historical data for every wrong that was done against you. How about, he does not keep record of wrongs. He's not vindictive. He doesn't try to get back. See, this is the flesh, trust me. You do something at the, and a lot of couples do it. The lady does something for the guy. She, he, he says, let me be the big boy, let me be the big boy. He's not really being the big boy. He's looking for an opportunity to get back at that girl or that lady. Because he, he doesn't forgive, he doesn't let it go. He keeps record of it and says, I will mark it against you sometime in the future. Yeah? And so when he gets the opportunity, he marks it against her. And then in his mind, he's just relishing in the fact that he got back at her. Even if he never really tells her that, you see, this is a reward for what you did to me five years ago. We are very vindictive in our personality types and our, and our innate tendencies. And we need to acknowledge it. If you don't acknowledge it, you, will, you don't have the chance or opportunity to even grow or get better. You have to acknowledge that, see, you can be vindictive. (laughs) If all the opportunities and environment supports, supports you, you will be vindictive. The Bible says love is not vindictive. It doesn't keep record of wrong. Praise the name of the Lord. The Bible says it does not delight in evil. Have you seen people when something goes wrong with somebody, they're excited about it? It's wrong. See, it's a spiritual law. Once you get excited about somebody else's downfall, that downfall is looking for you. It's a spiritual law. Galatians the Bible says, if any man is overtaken in a fault, let them that are spiritual in the spirit of meekness restore such a person for their own sake, considering themselves, lest they also be tempted. So the reason why you cover somebody else's error and sin and be very meek about it and be humble about it and be tender about it is not because of that person. It's because of yourself. You are carrying that grace and you, you want to ensure that that grace stays over your head. Because once you speak in judgment, in pride... Against that person, you have opened up the airwaves and said, that thing that attacked you and got you fallen, let it come to me. I will not fall. Mm. Because I'm better than that person. If that person fell, I won't fall. So the things will come and test. But because now you have acted in pride, you have removed the grace. Grace doesn't mix with pride. It doesn't. Grace only mixes with meekness and humility. He resists the proud. And gives grace to the humble. That's the protocol of grace. Grace must meet you humble. And so when you respond in pride, you uncover the grace, you remove the grace, and you now expose yourself to that same trial. You will fall 100%. There is no chance of survival if that thing comes for you. And that is why you must always... Rest. And that is why gossip news is, 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 is damaging to your spiritual walk. So when you go on, 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 on gossip, you know, Newspapers and you begin to read about the downfall of a celebrity, and you just something in you begins to feel good. That ah, after all, they are not all good. All of them, see, see, see them, see them, see them. In your mind, you admire them, but once they once they just fall, you begin to now feel like uh, you are better. Hey, be careful, be careful, and this is why gossip news spreads so fast because it feeds the fleshy cravings for people to feel better than others. You want to feel better than somebody else, so when you also see gossip news. You just you just go there. You gravitate towards it because once you see it, it makes you feel better. Good news doesn't travel that fast. It doesn't. Because it it makes people envy more. But once you see that, ah, this person has gone down. You are just you are just you are just even though you, you, you shroud it with that sense of oh pity, but inside you you are feeling good. Be careful. Love does not delight in evil. It rejoices only with truth. Praise God. The Bible says it protects always, it trusts always, it hopes always, and it perseveres always. Praise God. And then it ends up by saying love never fails. You must subject yourself and your life decisions to the love protocol. You see that? And so if you are this circle, don't worry, I didn't forget. If you're at this circle and then you intend to get somebody else into a relationship with you, you must subject your life to the love protocol so that you will not see the relationship as something to glean from but something to give to. Because if you don't have a healthy sense of individuality, you will see... Receiving love as something that will make you feel undeserving and giving love as something that will make you feel depleted. And so you will not have the capacity to love someone for the sake of love. And then there are a lot of psychological and interesting philosophies out there about how that you must, you know, look out for some things in that person for your own advantage. It's it's not scriptural. So he, he has this thing to compliment him. He has this, have you... Ask yourself, what do you have to compliment him? You see, because God is the judge of all things. He will give you what you deserve. He will give you somebody that can act like he can compliment you until you get married. So you must think of how do I compliment that person? The God of all justice will bring a man that is also thinking like you. So that both of you compliment each other without defrauding one another. But by the time you keep asking, does he have this to compliment me? Does he have... The other person too is mapping out the strategy. Does she have that? What do I need to do to attract such a person that has this to compliment me? Okay, I need to position like this. Then he now goes positions, and then two years down the line, you feel scammed. Because you see, you were not sincere in your pursuit. You are not, you didn't acknowledge your own weaknesses. When you ask yourself, can somebody marry me and be happy? You don't, ask, you don't answer that question. Because the answer is no good. <laughs> Can somebody marry me? Can can they put me in the house? (laughs) Praise God. And the person will be happy. Say, ah, I'm too much of I'm too much of trouble. So let me reduce this trouble coefficient and then I can now venture into this thing. And so you cannot love somebody else if you're not a full individual who is subjected to the love protocol. The love protocol has to vet you and approve you. Are you kind? Are you patient? Do you not envy? Are you humble? Are you meek? Do you always seek yourself or you you seek others' welfare and all of that? Do you put others before you? Do you try to be the loudest? Do you shut everybody down so that you can talk and rise above every other person? And if you have a personality type that, you know, that is more disposed to some kind of negative love tendencies, you have to now begin to deliberately work on it. Because if you're choleric, for example, you, you definitely like to be heard. You, you are very ambitious you don't really care about people's feelings and, and all of that you ride on people just to get your goals met but that that is not consistent with the love protocol and there's nobody's personality that is on that is not malleable that is not that is not bendable if you're subjected to the love of god and to the holy spirit it will change you oh boy you will be shocked at who you will become yeah. under his mentorship but by the time you keep insisting that I'm choleric, don't you know I'm choleric. Didn't you know I was choleric before you married me? I've been having choleric for a long time. Don't don't tell me that. Uh, see, you have to acknowledge your personality type. It is from acknowledging that you can now begin to work on it effectively. Say, so I'm I'm like this. Don't don't even tell I'm like and they give the personality, they, they make the personality the the reason and the excuse for not changing and becoming better people. Nobody should be a slave of his personality. Praise God. So this person is here now. Praise God. And so you must be willing to face that person. So you are looking to that person. You are focusing on that person. And if you no matter how individualistic you are, if you are, if you have not subjected your lifestyle and your attitudes and behavior to the law protocol, you will not be looking in that direction to be a blessing. You will be looking in the direction to receive and collect which is not consistent with the love protocol. So the first thing, individualistic. Second thing, you have to subject your lifestyle to the love protocol. So you have to be able to answer those questions in 1 Corinthians 13. You have to bear the fruit of love. And then the third thing, amen, amen, you have to be open to being vulnerable. This is the scariest part for a lot of people. Because guess what? This is the eyes, right? How many of you did modern biology? Okay. I think I got it wrong. <laughs> so something like this, yeah? This is how the eyes look like, right? So this is the person's eyes. This is your life. The person now has a vantage to see everything about you. And a lot of people are not willing to so let that happen. So they keep this person here. person never gets a chance to enter inside. Because they are not willing to be vulnerable. See, in investments, the highest risk vehicles have the highest reward coefficients, right? So the higher the risk in an investment, the higher the likely reward. See, the reason why a lot of people are scared of being vulnerable is because it has the highest reward in relationships. That's why a lot of people are scared. Why should I tell him everything about my past Why should I should tell him everything about my life what if you used it against me well just be comfortable with not being loved because you really cannot experience true love if you're not willing to be vulnerable yeah. and vulnerability is being naked before the person and hoping the person doesn't take a picture that is being vulnerable so both of you are naked and you are you, are, you trust that the person will not take a picture but you have to be naked You can't be saying, at least, since you don't intend to take a picture, let me just keep myself covered. You see, you have to be willing to be vulnerable. And if you're not willing to be vulnerable, you have preconceived notions, ideas, and experiential philosophies that have helped you to back up that conviction that you don't need to be vulnerable to anybody. Because perhaps you've seen something happen in your childhood, your uncle, your parents perhaps, where your mom was vulnerable and then she got hurt. Your dad was vulnerable and then she... He got out, And then you, you just have it in your mind. You may not have considered it fully, consciously, but it's, it's, it's a mindset that's built up over the years. And so you are never willing to be vulnerable to anybody because you assume everybody is willing and able to get you once they have the chance to. So once you empower them with information about your past, you feel that they will come against you with all they have. That one day, you break up. One day, the person will use it against you. One day, the person will publish it in the news. One day, the person will put a spotlight on that area you never want to get out. And so because you're so scared of that, you never want to be vulnerable. If you're not willing to be vulnerable, you will not have a very successful relationship. You have to be willing to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to be naked. You have to. You just have to. One of the things that people you know, tell themselves why they don't want to be vulnerable is because, number one, it's risky. What if the person is against me? Number two, they don't want to give the person the responsibility of knowledge. I've seen people like that. They don't want to bother you. Because once they tell you, you're not responsible for that information. I don't want to bother anybody with my life. I see. Let the person is fine. Let me not add my own tales of sad news and history to the person's ohala, and then the person will not start thinking about me and how not to tell on me. Let me just save you the stress. So I will not just tell you. I'll keep it to myself. And then the last thing is because it is hard. It is really hard to get stripped in front of someone. It's difficult to become vulnerable and just let go of everything. It's very difficult. Try it. It's so difficult. You probably will not get to do it eventually until you have tried like 10 times. Because it is not easy to be vulnerable to someone else. It's not easy. Even for surgery, they have to sedate you. Because you you can't just do it on your own free will. They have to get you to lose your consciousness and then they do whatever they want to do with you. You can't be vulnerable to somebody just like that consciously. It's hard. But guess what? In love, you must be. You must be. You see, Jesus was willing to die and nobody believed him. Mm, You didn't get that. You see, he was willing to die. He counted the cost of that possibility because Jesus never does anything without counting the cost. So he looked at the possibilities. I may die for these guys, and they don't ever believe me, and not even one person gets saved. He counted that cost, he weighed it, and he said, this is a grave cost, but I'm willing to pay it for the possibility of just one person saying yes to him. So he weighed the cost of the risk with the benefit of the reward. And then he said, you know what? The reward is worth the cost. Did you see that? Yes. If you are not willing to be vulnerable to someone else, don't bother getting into a relationship. You will be closed. You will be a wall. And you are supposed to be a door, an access. But you will build walls. You are supposed to build bridges. You build walls. Nobody can talk to you about this. And there are too many sensitive matters in your life you are not willing to talk about. Somebody says something and it triggers a memory and you don't see anything about it because if you say it now, you will know that you were rich when you were 14 and then you don't want him to know and then too much drama. Let me just keep quiet. But guess what? You are reacting based on that premonition. You are reacting to that reality that this is who you were, and you have perhaps defined yourself by that. And those things will keep shielding everybody away from you. You have to be willing to be vulnerable, and that is why you have to be careful who you now give your vulnerability to. You can't just be vulnerable to everybody. So They take you over to buy shahama now. And I tell you everything about your life. Oh, in fact, when I was two, this is what happened. When I was seven, this is what happened. In fact, while I was just... And, and the guy knows everything about you. you do not even know the quality of person that, that, that he is. Matthew 7, verse 6, the Bible says, Do not cast your perils before swine. Evaluate the person. Is it worth my peril? Because your vulnerability is very expensive. You have to be careful you give it to. You can't just give it to anybody. The person has to have passed the test of approval. Praise the name of the Lord. You don't cast your pearls before swine. Because he will collect that pearl and he will trash it and he will rend you in the end. God forbid. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And this is why a lot of people are scared of relationship. They are not willing to be vulnerable. They feel vulnerability is too expensive. The reward is more than the risk. Because guess what? If Jesus never came, we would have never believed. Would never they wouldn't have had the chance to believe, but for that chance he came. All right. So if you really want to ever express what true love is, you have to risk being vulnerable. Because even when you have the guy that is indeed worth your vulnerability, it's still a risk. Praise God. We'll wrap up soon. So this person sees literally everything about you, and you see everything about him, and you must be willing to let that happen. Because guess what? A part of you both no longer belongs to either of you exclusively. Mm. Do you understand? This part of you that used to be for you is no longer for you because it's no longer exclusive to you. It's now submerged, mixed with a part of him also that he cannot lay exclusive right on because it's now a part of you in some way or the other. That's what vulnerability does. It just mixes you both in a way that is so unique. And it's amazing how God makes two people one, actually. This is how he does it. If you're not willing to be vulnerable, you will be naked and be ashamed. So you have to be naked and not be ashamed. And you have to be willing to be vulnerable. You see everything about this person, everything, and then you're still comfortable with that person, and you love the person still. That is why love is a decision and not a feeling. Because once you choke eye and you see, eh? <laughs> I, I can't see this, and then, but you see, that is the idea. You see everything about the person, and then you say, you know what, that is why I love you. Yes. Uh-huh. Praise God. Vulnerability. You've got to be vulnerable. But you see, there's now an all-important factor in every relationship that right now, it's almost beginning to get downplayed in circles when relationship is talked about. And it's the matter of conviction. What's the meaning of conviction? Anybody? You want to help me? What is the meaning of conviction? Anybody? See, why do do people look around when you're asking a question? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Pastor Peace, have you? Don't let me know. Ask Pastor Peace. Any other person? Any other person? Quickly before we wrap this up. Because there are four things I want to share with you today on the software. I've shared three already. Anybody? What is conviction? Ebun, I saw that you were looking around. Yeah. Ebo. what's the meaning of conviction in your terms? You are 100% sure. I like that. 100% assurance. <laughs> Why are you guys laughing? Praise God. 100% assurance. Okay? 100% assurance that this person is my husband. Ah! That this person is my wife. Where do people get this conviction from? Have you ever asked yourself? Because guess what? If you leave your relationship like this, it looks good, but it is not assured. It is not insured. There's no guarantee on this. Because guess what, time is a factor that depletes everything. Time is a factor that makes everything go down. Time is a factor that makes everything go in the direction of atrophy. Time will wear things out naturally. We just bought these speakers now. In five years, these speakers will not look this nice. It's what time does. You see yourself in the mirror this morning and you are liking the curves and all the, 30 years down the line. Just 30 years plus what you are right now. And you wouldn't look quite like you look today. Because time just does something. It wears things out. That's what time does. And so left to time, which is what a lot of very fancy psychologists, so they'll they'll share these interesting things about love. They'll share these amazing concepts about love. That's conviction. This is what should ultimately define who you eventually say yes to. Several years ago, Pastor Nike Ademi, daughter of a professor in the University of Ife, architect herself, was approached by another woman, another man from the Polytechnic, without any MSc or anything. She was older than him. She's still older than him, anyway. <laughs> but she said yes, because she wasn't saying yes to his past and his present. She was saying yes to his future possibilities, something she didn't really know. But she sought Direction from the person that knows the entire thing, not just the past or present, but the entire landscape of their lives. And she got conviction from him. That conviction made her say yes. Today she's blessed, isn't it? Because she got married to Pastor Sam Adiyemi. Now, another woman may have been approached by the same man, and based on the things that eyes could see, based on the things that senses could tell, she would say, No, how can I marry somebody who's older than me? How can I do that? How can I do that? because she doesn't look for conviction. She just uses physical tendencies, economic status, and all those fancy things that people we'll talk about to judge his readiness and his credibility. Uh, and five years down the line, she says that he lost his job. The job that made you say yes, he has lost it. So what do you do? You are now married. What do you do? And then begin to nag in relationships and, and marriages. I, I, I didn't sign up for this because you didn't ask. I didn't sign up for this. This is not what I signed up for. I thought you we have changed. No. You didn't ask. You didn't ask. There is a God that knows you more than you know yourself. There is a God that knows him more than he knows himself. There is a God that sees the combination of what both of you produce upon the earth. And he brings that assurance near in the present. That's how God always works. He died in three dispensations. And then he brought that judgment near on the day of Calvary. And he died there and paid for everything, including the future sins. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So, this is the framework. This is the framework. This is the framework that produces. This is the framework. That produces love. Wow. Let's rest to our You didn't see that coming, yeah? That's the framework. Remember God is tripartite. Triangle is the strongest shape in the world. It's the strongest shape. Without this factor in your relationship, there's no guarantee on your relationship. There's no assurance that the relationship will last. There's no assurance. And so I just wanted to pray a very simple prayer. That God, you know me more than you know I know myself. You know whoever it is that will eventually come to me. You, you know who it is. Grant me the grace and the serenity of heart to seek your counsel when it comes to the matters of relationship in my life. Just talk to God. Tell Him that without His impute in your relationship, you have no hope of getting it right. Actually, you have no hope of getting it right. Because the storms of life will come, time will come, it will try to tear both of you apart. But with God's word over that relationship, it's an anchor that keeps you both together, beyond what you could think, ask or imagine, such that that relationship will keep getting better like new wine every single day is better than the previous, because God saw the future before he told you yes or no. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Can we celebrate Jesus this morning? <clears throat>
1: Amen. Amen. Wow, what a word.
0: For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media
1: platforms at PowerPoint Tribe.